0: Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. And as per usual, I got two disclaimers for you. Disclaimer number one is this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, facts may not be what I say they are. Okay? Disclaimer number two is this podcast is extremely not safe for work. So please consider yourself... Warned. All right, so before I jump into the book in question, gonna plug my uh, blog hansonasset.blogspot.com. Inside, you're gonna inside there, you're gonna find a bunch of links to financial videos. I'd recommend like a bunch of Warren Buffett shit and other stuff. Also, if you're a CFA candidate, whole bunch of shit I've written on there to help you along. Different guides tackling different shit. Uh, level one, level two. Gonna start doing level three pretty soon here. And uh, so that's Hansen Asset, that's H-A-N-S-E-N Asset.blogspot.com. So, all right, the, the book in question. So, uh, for those that don't know, I'm a, I've am been a long-time member, well, since August, I guess, of the CFA Society's uh, book club. Well, more recently, I'm actually the host. I started hosting in January, but January's book sucked. Don't tell anyone I said that. So, uh, here's the first time with a book that I actually liked, uh, Black Edge. The name of the book is Black Edge. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, edge as in an advantage. Black as in illegal. So black edge. Okay. Inside information, dirty money, and the quest to bring down the most wanted man on Wall Street by Sheila Kalakatkar, Kala Hatcar. Kula, Cool Hatcar. One of those, or or none of those. Any case, it's about a man named Stephen Cohen and his company uh, SAC Capital. Everyone else in the book club knew about this guy. Except me, not too surprising. But basically, everyone on Wall Street knew this guy was crooked. Everyone on Wall Street knew this guy was selling on insider information because they'd have a huge position in something. And then right before earnings would come out, they would sell it all. And they would do it. Like, they would sell it kind of like in a secret. You can sell off huge positions in the stock market without everyone knowing you're doing it until after the fact. And that's what they would do. Then they would make a huge short position right before the earnings would come out and the stock would tank and they'd make a shitload of money. So everyone knew these guys were crooked, including uh, you know, including the SEC. So don't confuse it. There's the SAC, which was his company. Then there was the SEC, which is the Security Exchange Commission, whose responsibility is to stop people from committing these kind of crimes. Then uh, also the FBI was investigating him. And so... If you're into that kind of stuff, like if you're interested in uh the the filthy underbelly of Wall Street and you're interested in FBI investigations, then this could be interesting. The most interesting part of the book in my opinion were the last few chapters that had to do with the actual trials. Cuz some people, you know, ended up going to jail in this thing. So uh let's see. So that's what the book's about. Now I'm going to go into uh, what I thought was the most interesting case the FBI and the SEC had against, uh, had against them, which had to do with this pharmaceutical company. There were other cases, but I'm going to focus on that one case. And then I'm going to just bring up somewhat of a, a tangential, somewhat political issue having to do with uh, wiretapping. So those are, that's, that's what I'm going to cover for this book or for this uh, podcast. So the, the pharmaceutical case. So one of Steve Cohen's portfolio managers, his name was Mark Toma, I believe. Um, this Mark Thoma guy was a real piece of work. He uh, He lied on his application to Harvard and got kicked out. Once they found out, then he lied about that to get into Stanford. And then he started working for SAC Capital eventually. And so he specialized in pharmaceutical companies. And he found this old man named Gilman, I want to say. And he, he asked Gilman, like, hey, you know, how's this Alzheimer's, uh, Alzheimer's drug doing? And Gilman's like, oh, you know, I don't want, can't really tell you. And Mar- Martoma's like, yeah, you, you, know, you think you can tell me? And Gilman's like, no, 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 I don't think I can tell you. And Martoma's like, come on, man, just tell me. And Gilman's like, yeah, sure, I'll tell you everything you want to fucking know for years and years and years and years and years. So that's what happened. And so Martoma had all this inside information on this pharmaceutical drug. So for those that don't know, this is like the holy fucking grail of inside information. So when you have a smaller pharmaceutical company that doesn't have this huge, diverse portfolio, they're going to live and die on the few drugs they do have. And of course, you, you're probably familiar with how drugs have a pipeline, meaning they have to go through all these stages of FDA approval before they hit the market. And so if you know if a drug is going to be approved or not before everyone else in the stock market, you can have a huge advantage because you know, those results are really going to swing the stock price. So eventually, this so Mark home guy was doing awesome with this information, and, but uh, eventually he learned that this Alzheimer's drug, eh, it wasn't that effective. It, was actually, it actually sucked. So Martoma was able to, they had a huge position in it, and they were able to sell off that huge position. And I believe they shorted it, too, before, the, before it became public. And so that, that was really at the crux of the case. Okay? And he sent an email to his boss, Steve Cohen, basically telling him as much. But here's the thing: these guys weren't stupid. You know, he didn't just write up the email like, "Hey, I just spoke to our inside informant," and you know, now I'm gonna, now we're selling. No, it, it was all in code. So it's kind of like the mob. You know, the mob—they have a thing. They got to talk to a guy. You know, and it's it's all in code. And so the FBI—they were wiretapping Steve Cohen, and they were able to get the email that Martoma, you know sent them about you know the inside information but like i said everything was in code so again it's like the mob where when the mob when a mob boss orders a hit on some dude in a back alley somewhere well if anyone gets caught it's the goon doing the hit it ain't the mob boss going to jail for it because there's no paper trail and so that's what they had at sac capital is they couldn't get a paper trail on steve cohen so uh, they brought this uh, Martoma guy to trial, this portfolio manager, and they were amazed they couldn't flip him, meaning they couldn't get him to, to squeal. And you know, they, they didn't really want Martoma. They wanted the head dog. They wanted Steve Cohen, but they couldn't get him, and Martoma wouldn't flip, and they couldn't figure out why. Except here was the thing that was really smart about uh, Steve Cohen. So not only did he not leave a paper trail, But he offered his clients, or not his clients, pardon me, his employees. He offered his employees just the best legal protection that money could buy. Okay, and so Martoma was being represented by Steve Cohen's lawyers. Except herein lies the conflict of interest. Because Steve Cohen's lawyers were telling Martoma not to flip. Take the jail time. Take the nine or ten years or whatever. You know, Don't flip. And the FBI just couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe this Martoma guy wouldn't flip. Because normally on Wall Street, people just flip. With, with the mob, there's, you know, or, or Merta, where, you know, code of silence. If you talk, if you rat, you get your fucking throat slit. On Wall Street, there's no such threat of violence, you know. So these guys just, you know, they'll fucking step over their own grandmother to avoid jail time. But uh, Steve Cohen's guys weren't doing it, so they couldn't get a key witness. That's really the, that's really the main thing. Is after all the years they did, and they had to just go for um, something a lot lower. They eventually they uh, had to sue uh, the his company. So instead of going for him, they went for his company, which isn't as you know powerful because the statute of limitations is about to run out on this shit. So they've been trying to get this guy for five years, and you know all the wiretapping. All the emails they had on the guy. Uh, They couldn't get the key, you know, a key witness to flip on him. And I hate to break it to you, the guy got off. And this Martoma guy went to jail, but uh, Steve Cohen, you know, his underlings went to jail, but Steve Cohen never went to jail. He's still trading to this day. And uh, he changed the name of his company from SAC to 72 point. He started trading just his own money. Um, I think the, his probation's about to run out. He's going to start trading other people's money. And people will give him money because he gets alpha, because he beats the stock market. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what people care about. you know. So I was told that uh, if you were an employee of his and you tried to work for somewhere else, they'd hire you, even though they knew you came from a corrupt place because they figured, well, maybe... Maybe some of that secret sauce or run, rub off on us. You know, greed can blind people. And if you were a whistleblower, if you were a flipper, people don't want you. You know, despite the fact you may have thought you did the good thing, you ratted out, uh, you know, someone corrupt. We worked with the FBI to, you know, root out evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The banks aren't interested in, <laughs> in that kind of shit. They don't, they don't want you. So those were some of the the takeaways I got from the book and uh, also the book club. And so now I want to talk about something. uh, I'll try to keep it brief. So one point I raised uh, during the book club was I felt uncomfortable with the prospect of the FBI wiretapping Americans because of inside information. You know, they started doing it back in the sixties to catch, you know, mob bosses, people killing each other in the streets, killing innocent people in the streets. Then, then, you know they started doing it to catch terrorists and it's a broad definition but fine and now they're doing it to catch dudes on wall street and my question is just you know where is that line if you ask the government there is no line my point is how long do we have to go before it's they're wiretapping you because you downloaded a, like a movie online or they're wiretapping you because you know you bought some pot off you know your friend and i understand that Wherever the line is, insider trading on Wall Street is probably on the fair side of it. But that, that's just my point is it It felt a little uncomfortable, you know, wiretapping for a nonviolent crime. And they were, everyone at the book club was explaining to me all the evils of insider trading and how much damage it does. And I mean, I, I see that and, you know, I, I concede that point. I concede I'm probably wrong on my initial judgment. But, um, I don't know. I, I it, it still still sits a little wrong with me. I don't know. I, it's not. It's not something I've really researched. Not something I've really debated. But I'm always going to lean towards uh, more freedoms and less government uh, reach and overture. And something about just spying. And I I don't know. My, the thing about entire trading, it just seems like it's like any sort of prohibition. I know. I'm really going off the rails, I suppose. But, uh, you know, when you make, uh, something like, you know, alcohol prohibition, they made it illegal and it helped the mobsters or drugs. You make drugs illegal and the drug cartels in Mexico and Latin America prop up. And I just feel like by making inside information illegal, well, that doesn't hurt the people that don't give a fuck about doing illegal things. They're still going to do it by making it illegal. You just made the inside information more valuable, which is what happens when you make something illegal. You make it more scarce; it becomes more valuable. So I don't know. And what's well, the alternative? Maybe the alternative is just, hey, let it. You know, let the floodgates just open up. Let everyone just talk and trade on it, and you know, because what's the, how you can't keep something. My point is, you can't keep something a secret in 2018 with the internet, like. People that really want to know, we're going to know. I mean, your Joe Schmoes aren't. People like you and me aren't going to know. But like your people that are corrupt and have the money to pay for the information, they're always going to find out anyway. So, and, and look, like this guy, this guy was supposedly the dirtiest motherfucker on Wall Street. FBI was up his ass for five years. They had wiretaps. They had his emails. They had fucking his cronies in a vice. And they couldn't catch the guy. So like how fucking effective is... Uh you know, when you when you make something illegal, you can't just say, well, this is bad, it should be illegal. You gotta say, well well how enforceable is this fucking law? And is the cure worse than the disease? I've gone way off the rails, I'm gonna stop. But in any case, that's how those are the questions I ask. I'm probably the only person to read this book and go, is inside information trading really that bad? I'm sure that endears me to the CFA Society of Chicago. So, anyway, there is my, I don't know if that was a review. I mean, I I don't know if I'd recommend it. Like, I think I mentioned this before, but if you really like FBI investigations and, like, Wall Street underbelly muckraking, then maybe you might like it. But mm -hmm, it's better than than most of the books. Probably the best book I've reviewed on this show, which isn't saying a whole lot. All right, I'm going to end it here. Thanks everyone for listening to my uh, disjointed ramblings about Black Edge, inside information, dirty money, and the quest to bring down the most wanted man on Wall Street by Sheila Cool Hatcar.